Hello legends, welcome to this week's episode of The Best I Am, of course, Kirsty Wiebeck. Welcome, thank you for tuning in again, or welcome if this is your first time. Uh, I think we're up to episode 36 or something. It'd be cool if I checked one week. I don't know why, but I love telling you what episode number it is without having looked. And it's actually a very simple thing for me to look up. So anyway, that's a cute idea for future me. We'll consider it. And let's be honest, it's one of those things I probably will never get around to, but never mind. How you been? Hope you're well. Uh, I hope everything's going great for you. Uh, I'm super. Thanks for asking. Uh, I can tell that in your mind you were like, oh, I wonder how she's doing. I hope she's going all right. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really well. I have been doing a lot of stand-up, which is great. Uh, that is where I am at my most happy happiest I think is the word I was looking to use uh but yeah it's been really great to be back on the stage and on that if any of you live in Castlemaine uh next week I believe it'll be February the 5th so this episode's going out at the end of Jan so following Friday uh February the 5th again that could be the right date it might also not be I could have looked it up but I haven't I will be in Castlemaine at the theatre there doing a stand-up show with uh, very good friends and wonderful comedians David Quirk and Harley Breen so if that's your jam and you're local you're out that way Bendigo, Dalesford, treat yourself come down for some laughs I think it's pretty fair to say that we'll all be doing some pretty new material as well. So should be a really fun time. Other than that, not much else to plug. Not going to bore you with that. And also I need to I need to get down to business. I've got a couple of big news items for you, which is very exciting. Uh, firstly, I'm going to tell you that I've I've got an iron deficiency. I don't mean to brag. I just found out that I'm iron deficient, which actually, that was, it was quite comforting. It's probably not what you expected me to say, but it was quite comforting because I was uh, pretty cranky and I've been doing a lot of exercise lately and I could sort of feel my fitness declining, which felt like the opposite of what's supposed to happen. So I went to the doctor for a completely unrelated issue, uh, basically a a silly injury, a a less than ideal injury, I should say. And I walked from the car park across to the medical center, oh, let's say 25 meters. And it was very flat. And I'd been to the gym that morning and got to the door and I was like, this is not ideal. I am short of breath. Anyway, being a vegetarian, which of course you already know because I love banging on about it. I am prone to iron deficiency. So I also asked them if I could do a blood test and uh, it revealed that I am in fact iron deficient again. And oddly enough, it made me feel very relieved because, you know, it's just that thing where you, like, you've got some symptoms ticking away and you're not feeling your best and you just sort of get used to it and 
you know, you lean into it and you're like, well, this is my life now. It's just going to be difficult walking five meters for the rest of my life. But then when you get an answer for it, you're like, oh. And the most interesting bit is that this has happened to me a few times before, right? Don't you worry. I've got it all under control. I've got the experts on the case, but it has happened a few times in the past and I still don't make the connection when the symptoms rear their ugly head. Anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is GPs are great. (laughs) GPs can be really good. It turns out they're actually quite useful, but the reason I'm sharing it, I don't want your sympathy. It's just an iron deficiency. It's not a major deal. It's also not a particularly interesting story either, but I'm basically sharing it because I used to be really terrible at going to the GP for anything. And these days it sort of slips my mind with really minor things, but I'm much better with bigger things. Because I think when I was younger, I had one of those, uh, like, I had a real aversion to going to the doctor, like, particularly if I thought it was something really bad. So I'd rather stress and, like, really, really, really stress about something. Because, you know, I loved looking things up in books back in the day. This was before you, you had Google just in your pocket around the clock. And so I used to like love looking things up and obviously catastrophizing and then just being an absolute wreck for months before finding out I had a food allergy, you know, in, instead of something way more serious. And I remember when I was about 19, I went to the GP and I had, I had like a suspicious spot basically. And we, doctor's having a look at it. And ends up, you know, taking it away, taking it away, removing it, (laughs) taking it away. That's just like he just picked it up and walked off with it. But it was a way more in-depth sort of scenario than that. But uh, so the doctor removed it and then, you know, sent it off for a biopsy and it was nothing sinister. It was all totally above board. But I just remember the doctor saying to me, you know, if this is, and and maybe this is going to sound really harsh to you, but it was very helpful. The doctor said to me, if this is something more sinister, leaving it for a couple of years because you're stressed about it isn't ideal and could mean a worse outcome than if you'd come in earlier. And I, I was like, yes. A very simple thing to say, it happened to resonate in my teenage brain and ever since that I've been like, okay, no, it's much better just to go and nip things in the bud and also like you just sometimes with really simple things it's like you don't have to live that way. Like if I were more conscious of the problems that I have with iron regularly, <laughs> I wouldn't have to go for weeks uh, huffing and puffing walking to the car, for example. And if you haven't heard of that before, some people when they're iron deficient – It is just a thing where, like, basically iron helps your blood cells carry oxygen around your body. So for some people, if your iron becomes low, then shortness of breath can become a symptom because your body's just having trouble transporting oxygen around. That's what it is. Dr. Webeck's here to resolve all of your questions. So anyway, that's a bit of exciting news, isn't it? I mean... (laughs) Purely in the context of the fact that for those of you who are regular listeners, we have ambled along now for over 30 episodes and the vast majority of those episodes entailed me talking 
to you about the absolute minutiae of life. Like we've done a huge chunk of this podcast through lockdowns where I hadn't seen anybody. I'd only been allowed outside for a week. A week, a week would have been great. Only been allowed outside for an hour per day. And, you know, everyone else had obviously battened down the hatches. People were doing the correct thing. And so there was very little to tell. It was hard to even manifest animals, you know. So now I'm thinking, like, me being iron deficient is a huge moment in this podcast. (laughs) It's probably the biggest news I've brought to the podcast maybe after... Oh, I'm just trying to think back. Oh, I I think the penguin spotting was a big one. I you might disagree, but I think the penguin spotting has definitely been a big moment. And this actually reminds me a couple of you legendary listeners have suggested that at some point I do a best of best of episodes. <laughs> and I like that. It's very meta and I actually like that. So an episode where I just go over which episode of the best is the best episode of the best. <laughs> and I'm definitely going to do that. I like that a lot. Anyway, my iron deficiency is probably the biggest thing to hit the best podcast probably since the penguins. Or maybe uh maybe the Otway Panther special episode. <laughs> That one, that went episode went down very well. That was a smash hit. So maybe that. Anyway, thank you for listening. Um, it's all under control. I'll be better soon. I'm totally fine anyway. But uh, yeah, there you go. That's just just a wild out there story for you. Now, what I've actually been desperate to get onto is last week. And let me preface it by saying that this story is my whole personality now. It's basically the only thing I've spoken about all week to anyone who will listen. Some of my friends have had to listen to the story several times. Uh, It's hot off the press. What happened was last Thursday night, I think it was Thursday night, but we all know that time and space mean nothing to me. So let's say it was Thursday night. So the best episode would have already, uh, it would have gone live, it would have just gone live when suddenly my neighbourhood became the venue for what was officially dubbed in the media and by the police as a hoon meetup. You can imagine how enchanted I was. So what happened was it... It would, it would have really started to brew a bit after 9pm, I reckon. And so, as I've mentioned before, I live down near the bay in Melbourne and suddenly there was just outrageous noise outside our window, right? And that, that's actually a lie. It wasn't sudden. So it started, it started sort of brewing about 9pm where it was getting noisier and noisier out there. But sometimes... There's people wandering back from parties and whatever. So it was that kind of noise where it was like, oh, okay. And it had been a really good beach day. So on days that have been really good beach days, sometimes lots of people are coming up from the beach if they've had little parties or whatever. 
And so I was like, okay, quite noisy, been a good beach day, fair enough. But then it just escalated and escalated and escalated. And then we went to bed and I woke up, again, another lie. I'm just telling this story absolutely riddled in lies. I never went to sleep. Weirdly enough, Elle went to sleep because I'm always asleep way earlier than she is, as in she'll lie awake for quite a while, but I usually go to sleep the second my head hits the pillow. But this is testament to how noisy it was. I never got to sleep. So there's all this commotion happening out on the street, uh, the two sort of surrounding streets of where we live. And then it really gets rowdy, like out of control. And so I get up and I'm having a look out the window trying to assess what's happening. And in the laneway by our house, there's just a lot of youth, a lot of hoons, it turns out. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's chaos. There's people everywhere. And then to begin with, I thought something was on fire, right? And it's like I'd just forgotten my summer nats roots. Like I should have known what was going on, particularly since uh, a couple of the streets near our place are very popular for drag racing just on a regular weekend as well. And so I, I don't know why this wasn't. Oh, it's because it's a Thursday. I was like, what? why did I think that was a special day? Uh, anyway, sorry, talk amongst yourselves while I have an argument with myself. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know why because there's smoke everywhere. And I mean, I, like I grew up in Canberra. Not that I used to attend the summer nats, but it was very present in my youth. And, you know, when you tried to head into the city centre or whatever, there was always a lot of smoke, a lot of burnouts, bedlam for ages every year in Canberra. So anyway, forgot my summer nats roots, looked out. I was like, oh, something's on fire. Then realised that clouds of smoke are from the burnouts. They're from the burnouts. And so anyway, this story basically culminates in the hoon meetup just building to a crescendo like it's just getting louder and louder and louder and apparently I had a peek in some of the uh, online Facebook groups and I had a quick search on Twitter because I'm a real detective type like I really like to know what's happening and uh, so what had happened was a lot of locals apparently had called the police and it took them a while to respond and the media reported that the police were on site a lot earlier than there seemed to be any action taken. But allegedly the police rocked up and there were too many hoons at the hoon meetout. Did I just say meetout? I think I think I was saying meetout and then I pitted out, but then I've just left it hanging. So there were too many hoons at the hoon meetup for the crew, the police crew that had arrived to deal with. And so what happened was I'm intermittently getting back into bed thinking, oh, hopefully this is resolved soon. And then I'd hear another like really loud bang. And so also I should mention that some of the hoons were throwing fireworks at our building and the surrounding buildings. So big flashes of light, big bangs. So anyway, I get back into bed and then I get up again. And what happened was I'm peering out of the window. I'm having a look and I'm in the dark, right? Like our apartment's completely in the dark. And then the 
the police helicopter arrives and it, it kind of came around the corner from nowhere and well, at least that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And w- what happened was as it came around the corner, it's massive light ble- bleem. There you go. There we go. Uh, first speech issue of the episode. The light beam shone straight into our bedroom, which is when I realised that I, I had nothing on. Like the police helicopter flashed me and I flashed them right back. And uh, I would say that that was probably the biggest event of the evening for them, even though they were trying to disperse rioting crowds in a Hoon meetup. They, 10 out of 10, got flashed by a local resident and, uh, yeah, that's what happened. So glad that didn't make the news. And glad that the Hoon meetup was substantial enough that it was newsworthy enough without, you know, the mentioning, like when they took a statement from the police, no one mentioned that they copped an absolute eyeful as they were trying to disperse the crowds. So there's a lesson in there for all of us. Uh, Wear a top, I guess, or just be careful because those beams, they'll shine right on in. That was the most exciting thing that's happened in a very long time in this neighbourhood. And also, I should note that uh, obviously it was uh, terrible. It was terrible. It was. It literally sounded like riots down near our place. Like it was absolutely out of control. And also, in case you aren't aware of what the event was, Essentially, what the media reported anyway was apparently it was like an organised thing and it was potentially a protest against uh, Victoria Police announcing that they were clamping down on Hoons with an anti-Hoon campaign. And I can't think of a better way to protest that than by running riot through a neighbourhood and uh, making everyone feel like the anti-hoon campaign might actually have legs so anyway big huge event terrible really bad uh it was actually quite scary as well because it was hard to tell what was happening it was very noisy and uh i watched too many movies so it wasn't ideal but i should just say that according to reports anyway nobody was injured and that i think is very successful um so there we go the hoon meetup now that i've got it out on a podcast maybe i'll stop telling everybody who'll listen about it uh all right legends let's get into it two massive topics this week very excited uh the first one the first one's footwear now we're not talking brands we're talking actual footwear like a genre or a type Is there, you don't have genres of footwear do you anyway uh types of footwear and this one this is episode is very dear to my heart because i've got a big obsession with being in the correct footwear and it was a big bone of contention in ellen and my relationship when we first got together because she doesn't really believe in being prepared for things like bushwalks for example and 
therefore, it doesn't worry her. Like, she, like I think Elle would gladly do like a 10-kilometre bushwalk in thongs or jandals, as she calls them, being a New Zealander, uh, or flip-flops if you're from other parts of the world. But, yeah, it just doesn't faze her. But I don't feel very comfortable doing that. I would prefer to be in the correct footwear, uh, you know, to undertake certain tasks such as going for a bushwalk. And it's not that I want to wear hiking boots. Like, I'm not that extreme. Uh, But I would like to have trainers on at a minimum, right? So a few years back, earlier on in our relationship, we found ourselves on a couple of sort of, uh, I guess, spontaneous uh, bushwalks ones where we had barely any water on us <laughs> and uh, we were in incorrect footwear. But for me, I'm like, well, let's not do that. But for Elle, she's like, well, no, it'll be fine. It's not very far. And so one example is we visited a few years back, we visited a friend in Malakuta, and I can't remember if I'd told this story on the podcast before or not. And I was actually thinking about that today, that I really should start writing down the actual stories that are within each episode because I tell a lot of stories and I can never remember. But I, I feel like I haven't really doubled up yet, which is quite amazing and more coincidence than good management, as I'm revealing right now. So we visited a friend in Malakuta and, and she told us about this walk that you could do to seals, to a seal colony. And we were like, well, of course, we we want to go to the seal colony. Like, we definitely want to do that. There is nothing else that we want more in our lives today or any other day than to be at the seal colony, right? We didn't do any research. We just took her word for it. We didn't – not that, you know, that sounded like I was inferring that she lied or could lie, but it wasn't about that at all. Um it was more that, uh, you know, th- this friend of ours is a, a little bit older. We, she's actually Elle's old housemate's uh, grandmother, okay? And so she's a bit older than us. And it turned out, we found out later, she hadn't actually done the walk for maybe like 20 years. That's what I mean when I say that we should have done some research because things can change in 20 years. Things can even change daily. Like, how are we to know whether the seal colony was a permanent fixture on the beach, right? There's some dramatic foreshadowing for you. So we go for a little drive and and so our friend tells us that it's going to be, uh, like it should be a two-kilometre walk, right? And, and I thought that meant the round trip, right? But even if not, like four-kilometre walk, no problem. That's totally fine. So we set off. I don't think we, yeah, we barely had any water on us. Like barely any. Great. Already terrible people. And then we were in thongs. Because we're like four kilometres, worst case scenario, like even I'm okay walking four kilometres, right? No problem. In thongs. We set off. It's very hot. Not much water. We're walking, walking, walking. And then suddenly, like we're in Flyville. Like there's just massive march flies everywhere and they're biting us, right? And by this stage, I'm furious. Walking, 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 and we get to the point where I'm like, we've been walking too long to be in thongs. I'm annoyed about this now. Walking, 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 come across a red belly black snake, furious, because there's tall grass on every side of us. We're in thongs. I'm like, and I mean, 
I, I get that it's important to protect your feet as well, but sometimes when people are like, you know, you should wear covered shoes when you go on a bushwalk or whatever, like, but then there's no rule about not wearing shorts, is there? And it's like, but like they jump up and they don't just bite your feet is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, I don't know why I'm getting defensive about it. It's because I know we were doing the wrong thing. Walking, 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 hot, hot, super hot, seen a snake, flies everywhere, biting, 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 flies all over our heads, flies in my ears, flies in my eyes, flies, 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 flies trying to get in my mouth, flies, 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 memory of the snake, terrified, oh no, flies, 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 thongs, awful, like at, several times I, I thought it was the care flight helicopter coming to get us, right, and it was just a fly, there's a massive fly near my head, flies, flies, awful, 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 Keep walking, keep walking. I'm so angry by this stage. Like, not at anyone, just a general air of rage about me. Walking, 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 walking. It all thinks it's really funny that I'm so irate. Walking, 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 walking. And I know what you're thinking, like, why didn't you turn around? We're very animal motivated. We were desperate to see the seal colony. And... There's this thing as well where you don't know if you're beyond the point of no return or you don't – we kept coming up to like corners and things and, and you're like, oh, it might – what if it, What if we found out later that it was just around that corner and we'd walked for like two hours and, tur- and we needed to walk for two hours and five minutes? Do you know what I mean? You've done 99% of the journey but you'll never know that. So anyway, we keep going, we keep going, we keep, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then we, so we finally get down to the beach. Keep going, keep going. We're on the beach. Great, great. We're on the beach. This is great. Where's the seal colony? Let's walk around the bend. All right, let's walk around the other bend. Oh, no seal colony. And what there was, was these two, like, makeshift like artistic graves that obviously people will hopefully people had made they were out in the open it was decorative I'm sure anyway now that I'm saying this um I've freaked myself out about it again that was it but once I saw those two decorative graves in in inverted commas I'm, I'm certain that that's what it was they were literally on the beach like children had made them and they weren't meant to be graves but that's what they looked like I was really spooked there was no one else around. I was terrified. And so we got out of there really quickly. No seal colony. Wrong footwear. Too many flies. Awful walk. Okay. Those are the main things that you need to take away from that. So next time someone tells you you can go on a short walk to a seal colony, I'm just, I'm imploring you to do your own research. Give it a quick Google. Just see if you're definitely going to see seals, if it's the right time of year, how far the walk is, whether or not you need to wear trainers. Okay. So footwear, we're, we're talking thongs, flip-flops, jandals, right? Great shoes for short walks, great to wear on the beach, like very good in certain conditions, not good for a long hike. Not good for you. There's no support, right? There's no support in them. They should only be worn on hot days for little walks. you got slides, all right? I love my masseuse-style Adidas slides. Love pairing those with a pair of socks to upset everybody. Slides are great, very convenient, similar to, flo- to, to flops, flip-flops. Similar to flip-flops in that you should only wear them for little walks. Great for a little pop into the shops. You've got hiking shoes. You've got hiking boots, right? 
Hiking shoes and hiking boots, both very great for hiking. Obviously, the clues in the title. I find hiking boots to be very uncomfortable, but they are practical and they're very good for you if you are getting into hiking. Boots in general, I've got a few cool pairs of boots and we're leaving brands out of this today, but I love my cat boots because I am a 10 out of 10 queer woman. I also have a lot of Doc Martens, but you also know that because you know about my background. Um, I do love a boot. Also, uh, now that I'm a scooter rider, I have been wearing my boots more because it's important to protect your ankles in the event of an accident. Trainers, love a pair of trainers, uh, spend a lot of time in my trainers. Street shoes, got a few pairs of those as well. You know, your sort of skatery kind of shoes, like your flat shoes, they're a bit more fashion, like they're not especially great for your feet usually, but they look good. Now, I've chucked these in as well because I like to be inclusive. I've got high heels, right? Not for me, uh, not great for your feet. Also, um, no, but good for you if you wear them. I endorse it. Kitten heels, because uh, I love saying kitten heels. And also, I used to love telling a story about when I wore high heels once on stage for a uh, fashion parade in year 10 and how I tripped over, which is true. I tripped over and landed face first on the podium that I was meant to start my big dance number on. And I used to love talking about how I was in, like, I'd make out like they were still at her heels. And then over the years, it basically came out that they were tiny kitten heels. But to me, they felt like they were like six-inch stilettos. Then we got wedges. And I, I, see, I've come too far in the episode now, but I really didn't do that story justice because it's a really good story. But I I reckon I'll come back to it next week when I've got a little bit more time. I... Yeah, I'm going to do that because I want you to know that story. It's actually a very good story. And so then, yeah, wedges and then platforms. I don't know a lot about either of those, but um, I'm throwing them in as well. So without further delay, the winner of the best kind of footwear goes to trainers. Yeah, hooray. All right, trainers have taken the accolade today because they're generally, if you get well-fitting trainers that suit your daily requirements, trainers are generally good for your feet, right? Uh, They're great for, if you're going for long walks, they're great if you're going for hikes. They're also great if you just want to run into the supermarket. I guess guess what I'm saying is that they're very diverse shoes, you know, and they're not too chunky, so they're convenient to travel with. And uh, I rarely go anywhere without a pair of trainers. Uh, So there we have it. Congratulations, trainers, for taking out the best type of footwear. All right, legends, thank you so much for sticking around for the second part of the episode. It's going to be a short one. It's going to be a ripper. It's going to be non-exhaustive. You know this. Uh, We're going to look at the best 90s Australian band. Now, I'm sorry if you're too young for this. I'm sorry if you're too old for this. This is really, really placing me on a timeline here. So 90s, the 90s was when I was really getting into music. Uh, It was a golden era in music in Australia. It's when I went to see my first live bands, which I'll reveal a little bit later. 
And even now I love revisiting that era in Australian music. And for those of you that remember it, maybe this will trigger you to like jump on Spotify and have a little listen. So I've compiled a list of some absolute rippers and then obviously the objective truth will be revealed at the end in terms of the best 90s Australian band. So let's go. Um, the the list involves uh, Frente, right? Uh, Marvin the Album came out when I was at towards the end of high school and I was obsessed with it. I remember my older sister and I used to love blasting accidentally Kelly Street. And, um, and the funny thing is a little while ago, I remember doing an interview, I think, for the comedy festival or something. And the journalist asked me if I ever got starstruck when I met anybody. And, and my general answer to that is no, because, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate that I get to meet a lot of really cool people uh, while working in this job. And generally, no, uh, because we meet in a working together capacity. Uh, however, however, the funny one for me is that people from bands that I loved when I was growing up, like I can always feel just a tiny little bit of 16-year-old Kirsty just inside just going, oh, yeah. So anyway, that was my answer. And I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the legends from some of these bands. And each time it's been like, all right, this is cool. All right, keep that inner teenager under wraps, all right? You're being professional in your colleagues now. Anyway, uh, Frente. So yes, Frente. Angie Hart from Frente. One is a massive legend. Uh, Yeah, she's a really great person. And also still plays a lot of music. Uh, the Foves, they were, they were one of my faves. Sorry, I hate myself for saying that. But uh, there was the Foves, um, Spider Bait, UMI, Berlin Chair was one of my favourite songs growing up. I still love it. Killing Heidi, love Killing Heidi, Regurgitator, Silverchair, Magic Dirt, Adelita was just an absolute icon for young people but young uh young women especially when I was growing up the super Jesus loved the super Jesus was obsessed with the super Jesus uh the living end and Jebediah the living end and Jebediah were my first bands that I went to see they played together at uh the TAFE in Canberra and it was the first time I was allowed to go and see a live band I think I was I would have been 15, almost 16, and I got to go with a little group of my friends to The Living End and Jebediah. Uh, most of these bands I got to see live. Canberra, yeah, they used to cruise around to Canberra a lot. It was great. Uh, Grinspoon, Friends of Rom, love Friends of Rom, still do. The Mavises and George. I remember seeing George at Big Day Out in Sydney. And I remember in some of those beautiful operatic singing bits, just these bats zooming around overhead, just absolutely running wild. And it was a pretty cool sight. So, all right, legends, without any further mucking around, let's get into it. The winner of the best 90s Australian band goes to... Silverchair, what a prolific band they were. I was in love with Daniel, Daniel, oh, that's only the second 
the second speaking problem that I've had this episode. So that's good. That's good odds. I was in love with Daniel Johns, obviously, because I had a pulse. Everybody was. Absolute 10 out of 10, babe. And uh, Silverchair were just absolutely in the flow uh, during that period. And they just released so many great albums. And, yeah, really, really prolific. Like, I always remember high school and college, like, whenever I think of Silverchair. And to be honest, any of those bands could have been the objective winner. There are a lot of great bands during that period, but big congratulations to Silverchair and to all the other bands for taking out Runner Up as a tie. Thank you so much for tuning in again, Legends. You are all the best. I deeply appreciate you listening each week and your feedback as well and also your sharing of the podcast. Uh, It's due to you that the listenership continues to grow, so thank you very much. I appreciate you all deeply. Don't forget that it's actually you who's the best and hopefully nothing as eventful as a Hoon meetup happens this week, but I'll look forward to telling you some more stories next week. I've got to write that down. Actually, I've got to remember that I want to do more justice to the high heel story. So I'll revisit it next week. You're all legends. Take care out there. I'm Kirsty Weebeck and I'll talk to you really soon. Bye.